Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight, I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. Why is it with us at home? Some of us, our marriage are broke due to this job. We don't know where to go. You should do something about this. We are begging him, Nana. We are begging him. After years of uncertainty about their future, unemployed graduate nurses converge on the northern regional capital, Tamale, to demand action from government that would prevent them from starving. Also coming up, National Identification Authority plans to rule out registration of Ghanaian citizens abroad. Tonight we ask, what is the status of the registration in Ghana? And later on Eyewitness News, we'll still be talking about the Ghana card and the opposition NDC is kicking against the Electoral Commission's plan to use the national ID as a source document for obtaining a voter's card. Plus, an update from Wa in the Upper West region. Police have retrieved one more body uh, in relation to the killings, the mysterious killings of private security personnel. Stay with 97.3 CTF and for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Ghana's economy expands by 4.8% in second quarter of 2022. That's in 50 minutes with Ellen Dapa of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the, in the Western region. Uh, let me just bring you that list now. In the Western region, we are live on Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi as well as Beach 105.5 FM, also in Takradi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In the Ashanti region, we are on Alpha Radio 104.9 in Kumasi and Orange 107.9 FM, also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are live on Global 105.1 FM in Ho and Adanu 107.7 FM in Adakluwaya. In the Northern region, we are on Diamond 93.7 in Tamale, Upper West, Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura, Upper East, Source 100.1 FM in Boku, and Northeast region, we are on the Nakpanduri Escarpment via Scarp 101.3 FM. Send us your reactions uh, by WhatsApp and Telegram 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. Do send your messages and the world would hear what you think. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one has to do with the unposted graduate nurses. Nashika. A group calling itself the Coalition of Unemployed Graduate Nurses Assistants, Clinical and Preventive, today poured onto the streets of Tamale to protest over what they say is failure by government to post them since graduating in 2019. According to them, staying at home for three years without any form of employment is unbearable. They are therefore calling on government to consider the well-being of its citizens and employ more health workers. Some members expressed their frustration to City News. 
A total number of 10,727 qualified graduates from the nurse assistant, uh, you know, uh, clinical and that of the nurse, uh, you know, assistant preventive access portal last year, 10th uh, November 2021. And they are still home. Why is it with us at home? Some of us, our marriage are broke due to this job. We don't know where to go. We don't know whether some Ghanaians are important than the other or why the government is treating us this way. You should do something about this. We are begging him, Nana. We are begging him. You should do something about this. Some of us, we don't know where to go. Please and please, we are begging you. Abba, three years in the house. What to put in the pot and eat is difficult. So we have to eat once in a day. Why? You had members of the Coalition of Unemployed Graduate Nurse Assistants Clinical and Preventive. And they did that demonstration in the northern regional capital, Tamale, where we'll be going to shortly to test the polls and also hear from them uh, the reason for um, choosing that particular venue. And also if they've got any outcome or any result since uh, the demonstration and how long they've been trying to negotiate with government on this matter. Mohammed Al-Hassan is a public relations officer of the Coalition of Graduate Unemployed Registered Nurse Assistant Clinicians and Preventive. That's a very long title. Mohammed, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you, sir. Good evening to you and good evening to your cherished listeners. Good, good evening. Uh, the title is just non-nurse. In fact, you are uh, Graduate Unemployed Registered Nurse Assistant Clinician, Clinicals and Preventive. I'm not sure. Who, who are you? In the hospital, uh, yes. if I enter the hospital, who are you people? Uh, well, uh, as it has been speculated, it is of two different uh, cadres that they make together and they call them as certificate nurses. So we have those who are working within the hospital facility and those who are also uh, at the chief compound giving uh, care to people at home. So the, nurse, as the nurses are in the hospital, whereas the uh, preventives are also at home given care. Okay, now talk to us about your plight. Uh, our plight is just to say since, since completion uh, in 2019, we have been abandoned by the government of the day at home for a good three years today. And with this, we have been endured a lot of hardship and for that matter, things are getting out of hand. That was last year, 28, last year November a portal, a recruitment portal was opened for us to apply for various origins and agencies. We did that barely 11 months today. The government of the day has not posted us yet. We have been left into the portal and there hasn't been any justification as to why we are still at home. And so now we came out today to demonstrate in the principal streets of Tamale just to tell the people of the country that we are still at home, being what? unemployed whilst the facilities across the country are in dire need of nurses. So we are calling on the, on the government, Minister of Finance and Minister of Health, to release our data to the various agencies for the recruitment process to continue. Okay, so um, which schools did you go to? And were, were you sponsored in school by the government or you paid your own fees? Uh, actually, talking about government sponsorship, what I, what I mean by government sponsorship is whether, you know, the thing where nurses or t- nurse or teacher trainees are given allowances by the government. I'm asking if you were given allowances while you were in school or you went to private institutions and paid your own fees. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. 
As for the nurse assistant, clinical and preventive, the government is dealing with only public sector nurses. And so we all pass through the public sector. And uh, as it has been always known by the uh, entire country, a couple of years ago, allowance in the colleges were cancelled. And when this government was coming to power, it made a pledge that when it comes, it is going to restore the allowance and facilitate the postings or the recruitment process of the uh, health sector, that is to say the nurses. And so when we went, we were the first year by the government of the day and rule since it came to power. That was 2017. And so we're put onto the allowance. And basically, the allowance was just to assist us after, like, to go on clinicals. Because what they were paying us could not uh, show that the, the, the amount of fees we were paying. Everyone can test to the fact that in, in colleges of nursing, when you go there, the amount of fees you'll be subjected to, it is, it is not uh, something small. Okay, so what was the contract that you had with government that when you finish um, your program, you would be sponsored, you'll be sent to a place? Was that the agreement or that's the understanding you had? Yes, we had that agreement with the government. And even before the government came to power, it, it made it so clear to the people of God that when it comes, it is going to facilitate the recruitment process of nurses in the country. And so it has always been a contact between us and the government. Your seniors, were they posted? Yes, they are, they, are, they are posted. All of your seniors? Yes. How about the ones who finished after you, say the 2020 cohort? They are, they are still at home. 2021 are still at home, and by November 2022, also we are endowed before badges. How many ne- trainees or students per batch? Our batch, we are 10,727. Which means that the 2020 and 2021 badges are, are likely to be sold to. That's a serious number. Yes, sir. What, what, what is the procedure? So when you finish school, you, you have a portal that you you register and get posted? Is that what happens, or you're supposed to go to yes. the Ministry of Health? How, how does the posting happen? The, the, the idea thing is that after completion, nurse assistant, clinical and preventive, you don't go on rotation. So six months after completion, we are due for posting. But for the fact that in this country, after you have completed your training as a nurse, until you did learn all that you've learned from school, you will not be posted. When you come out, you have to join a queue. And as and when your seniors move, then you also go closer to the portal. And we have been, all, we have been on the queue since 2019, 2020, and that was 2021. Our, the, the last, our, our immediate seniors, they were posted in April 2020, 2021. So a portal was open to us in November to also go through. We applied everything successfully, but we have been left into the portal. Is there a possibility that some people have been recruited, but just a few of you may not have been posted? Well, we have evidence justifying that the government uh, has opened a back door for other people passing through, including our juniors. There are some who, who completed school 2020. 2020 and 2021, but they are able to maneuver their way into uh, public sector because of the back doors. And let me put it across. What we are coming out uh, chanting for postings and sanity in the health sector, it is not for nothing. Because the health of the people in the country must at all costs be taken into consideration. 
when you go to see that someone was 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 a junior back at, at college or was a classmate, but the person has managed to pass through the back door to become your senior. So when you finally go to the world to meet the person, the person has sent your senior, and in nursing, seniority has always been the hallmark. So when the, the person is your senior, and there are instances that there will not be like good work relationship between you and the person because you were my junior in school, two years junior, you suddenly become my, 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 my senior. How is that possible? Possible? Through individuals, it's going passing through that, but people went and their pays are uh, 7,000 Ghana city, 8,000 Ghana city, which is abnormal. It has never happened in this uh, sector before. Because people come to grant you, so when you complete, you are expected to also go and grant the queue. But the government has opened the back door, pushing uh, juniors into the sector when their seniors are still at home. Explain this back door and how concrete is this your claim? Yes, the back door that I'm talking about is that, you see, people go to pay money for the recruitment. And the other thing is that when you are going into public sector, you don't need to pay money before you can be recruited. But the genius and the males who think they have maybe the people who are superior enough, they pass through them, and the government recruit or the Ministry of Health recruit them into the public sector, leaving the due baggage behind. And we have evidence of that. Seeing a 2020 nurses into the public sector while 2019 are still at home. As we are still at home, uh, diploma degree 2019, they are referred to are still at home. When they are posting for a, for a portion of 2020 badges and 2021 badges. What, what, is, what, what, what are the considerations for choosing some people over others? Yes, that one it can be best maybe explained by the minister because we can't see why we are all uh, 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 underwent the same training, the same qualification, but the minister decided to jump over, taking money from people. Do, do you know if they this happens with a tacit endorsement of the ministry or someone, a rogue, perhaps, would have been doing that? Yes, and, and as to whether the, it has passed through the minister's office or it is someone behind the minister, it is the minister's responsibility to, to detect that because before you can apply, you go there with your certificate, your details are captured there, you are 2020, it will be captured there 2020, 2019 will be captured there. So the, the minister can't say they are not aware of this. It is their responsibility to detect the, uh, any anomaly that may come into their office. But it passes through them all, and they will finally get themselves into the various hospital, where, where their seniors are still at home. And in doing this, they are only putting the, uh, the, the lives of the people of Ghana and their health into a high risk. Because when the government of the day has become uh, an agent of promoting discrimination among health workers or nurses, that it, it, this, it is too disheartening. Okay. Um, what is what was the last time you engaged with the Ministry of Health, and what did they say to you? The Ministry of Health, since after completion, we have been engaging with them, but we, 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 we have always been in touch with them till they told us that our problem is not from them. That we should go to the Ministry of Finance, we we'll go there, they say, ah, we should go to the Ministry of Health. They have been tossing us all over. Okay, why so didn't you take why didn't you take advantage of NAPCO, another program by the government to to, to NAPCO to... NAPCO has been rolled off. You know, I mean, before it went off, I mean, between 2019 and now, you could have you could have joined and the NAPCO stream. Being in NAPCO is just something like government's highest desire for cheap labor, and you see, NAPCO shouldn't be a good sector for health workers because. It has been laid down and it has been put on record that pass through the health sector, when you come out, 
the, uh, the advantage you benefit is that you'll be posted. Those will be subjected to high species. So people endured this, and they came out. So when you are challenging us to go into the health sector, uh, 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 that, that, that would be a, a different story. And even uh, prior to our completion, uh, NAPCO wasn't recruiting anymore. The Youth Employment Agency says it is recruiting some 5,000 uh, junior high school, SHS, SHS graduates, to engage in the kind of work that you may be doing. Uh, since you already have the qualification and are not getting posted, would you want to lower your standards and perhaps just take that opportunity and enter the system and hope, when, hope for a promotion later? When when uh, Youth Employment Agency maybe claim they are going to... Uh, Employer senior school graduates to do what they are, uh, we are doing. That means they don't know what we are doing as nurses. Because even teaching hospitals, this is what you go there, you see a nurse assistant clinical, they are managing worse. What the degree nurses are doing, they are the, the they are doing the same. What the diplomats are doing, they are equally doing the same. You can, you, you can, you can make inquiries on this matter and, 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 and you, uh, you relate to the fact. There is no different hospital or health uh, center you go to uh, teaching hospital, where, wherever you will not see any NAC or NAC running the same uh, procedures that diplomats or degrees have been doing. We are all doing the same thing. Just that the government, there have been decisions like though you are holding certificate that you have been made to do what is uh, maybe uh, outside your, your, your course description, but they are doing it. And it is not, it has not started today. They have been doing it long term. N- N- NACs have been managing worse. Not today. So if the YA is saying they are coming to recruit senior school graduates to replace and uh, nurse assistant clinical employee, that means that is what I was. They are, they are risking people's lives. Those that graduates, what basis of need do they have? Uh, if the person comes to misconduct himself in the world or in the health uh, chief compound, under what criteria or and in what basis are you holding the person responsible? Does the person have lessons where you invoke the lessons? How like this one? It, it, it is not sounding well. So they they, they have to. Let's define, or they have to go and look for the full meaning, like the, 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 the meaning, the, the word NAC and NAP they are doing at the various health centers. Someone has sent a message saying that there's a plan by the government to face out your kind of profession, and that could be the reason you have not been posted. Did you have knowledge of, of such information or such a plan? Pardon? That there's a plan by government to face out the kind of work that you do, and that that could be the reason that you have not been posted. Is that something that you are aware of? Well... They, they say that they, they say that your training is not intensive, and that it doesn't have the required skills to be in the world. Okay, so let me come. So now our training is not enough to be in the world. The government is going for senior school graduates into the world. So let's just have a critical look at this issue. It doesn't sound well. Let me come and say the training that we are undergoing, or if government is saying they are coming, maybe it is coming to uh, face it off. It's not a problem. But government will pass through due process to face it off. We are, we were all here when certificate was cancelled in the teacher training colleges. We are equally here when diploma was cancelled in the, in the, in the teacher colleges, turning all the degrees, uh, holding our students. We are, yes, it has just happened recently. There should be a criteria that the government should pass to face out the program. And we are not against government facing out the, but the government should pass through due process. How many we years training allowed, do you get? Uh, basically it is, Three and a half years. Almost three years. Yes. How, how different is your training from the regular nurses we see wearing the green uniforms in nursing to, training colleges? Why, why you go to the colleges, 
the courses that we are all doing the same courses. How special? How special different are you? Pardon? How specially different are you? How special different am I? Or are we as, as? Yes, because if you all do the same thing, then what is the difference between what you are doing and what the nurses who go to the nursing training yes. college are doing? The uh, the difference is just that prior to completion of uh, secondary school, after attaining your YC, there, there is a cut-off point, and that justifies who should go for diploma and who should go for degree. And so, so, the so, cut-off so, point is mm -hmm. when you have a, 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 a D7, or E8 um, among your, uh, your, your, your subjects, you can be allowed to do a diploma in the college. So that is compelling many into the certificate program. So you, you are the D7 students? Yes. Perhaps you and the WASI graduates, may, they may even be more uh, you know, qualified than you if, if you are the D7 but, student. But, you are like but, the rejected, but, aren't you? But, no, the the WASI students, do, have, have we seen the results they are, they are holding? That is Guaranteeing them into the uh, uh, YA recruitment yet? So the point about the being, the facing out could could hold then that um, after all you didn't do well with your WASI, the government was magnanimous enough to give you an an opening to go to college and go and be trained. However, they have to prioritize those who got the A ones and the B twos and so on. And by the time they reach your time, um, the 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 wards may be full. The walls, the, the, the walls of the uh, health facilities, when you go there, until you see a nurse, you don't even know that there are nurses in the, uh, in the facility. They are all dry up. And it is not just, just like the, pro the program, yeah, it, 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 hasn't recently, it has been there for a long time. And it has trained huge number of students across the country. So the government facing that the, the program is not a problem. That, that it means the government is trying to adjust the health sector or the health, the, 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 the health system in the country. It's not, but the government should pass through a, a, a due process. That is to say, the government should push through to enrollment. All right. Finally, those who have completed. Finally, the seat of government in Accra. Why do you decide to demonstrate in Tamale? Do you t deliver a petition to anybody who? Um, we have demonstrated in Tamale. We presented our petition to the regional minister to send it to the office of the president. Why not do it in Accra and present it directly to the presidency? A lot of a lot of demonstrations have been done in Accra, pickettings and all over. So this is just series another this series, is another 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 angle. Yes, series of picketing and demonstration went on in Accra, but the government has proven to us that it has no listening ear. If nothing is heard from your petition, what will be the next option for you guys? It means we have to demonstrate across the system regions. And if nothing is still heard, we have to come uh, to Accra uh, and be with them in their offices until we get our recruitment. Why don't you consider the possibility of going back for an upgrade of your certificates? Perhaps that could give you an easy entry? Going back to upgrade in our... You see... This was not what we agreed on. And that is why we want the, the government to bring sanity in, in, in the sector. The government should make it clear to the people, okay, when you come after completion, you know it posted until you go and upgrade yourself. Fair enough. Everyone will know it. It will be signed. And when you are going, you know that, oh, after here, I'm going there. So when it, it wasn't stated to us that, oh, after completion, you should go elsewhere. And more to the point, we are not living here, and everyone knows uh, uh, how life is down off here. Imagine parents squeeze 
even borrow money, come to take care of you because the other persons uh, was also passed through the same. That he completed and now he's waiting. He's getting something supporting the parents. The parents have gone far to borrow money from uh, relatives or whatever. Come and take care of you. About more than ten thousand garasili. Now you have completed. The government is saying you should go back to school again. To go and spend two uh, hundred million again. Where are they getting this money? Twenty thousand. You if, mean? If, if, if any attempt to do so is broken the youth into uh, uh, social vices because that's why the fact that we're not employed doesn't mean we can't be involved into those vices because see you are at home at the age of 30 years you don't have anything to do possibly you are a parent now you are sitting down someone can say oh take this 30, 30 dollars today go and do this thing or if it's not good that you have to go and do it if you don't do what will you do and get money you want to go if, if you want to go and cause trouble before you can get the 30 and spend, you go and do it isn't it so we are telling the government that the government should take preliminary measures in, in conquering social rights because we can't keep sitting at home at this age. So when, when again is the future? Um, Mohamed, how old are you? Do you mind sharing? Uh, well, uh, oh, I am mature enough because... No, uh, I mean, if, if you don't feel like mentioning your age, I wanted to develop a question from that. If you don't think you want to mention... I'm are, 30 years. Are you married? Yes, I'm married. And you have children? Yes. How do you take care of your family? Uh, and how have you been taking care of your family, considering that you've not been employed is, since you finished school? Yes. Uh, parents are still taking care of me. Are you serious? That's it. What will I do? Where, where are your I, parents? I'm, I am currently uh, 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 from Yendi, uh, Municipal. So, I'm not, I'm so, not so you, 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 are in, you, are, you stay in your parents' home? Yes. Why don't you... I've not learned anything. I, I was always sent to school. There was even nothing to learn. I was always sent to school, so I pursued the education. It is all the education that I have. And after completion, the certificate that I was having could uh, permit me to go for degree. But because of the urgency that is attached to the uh, teacher college and the nursing colleges, I saw the need, oh, let me go for uh, the nursing. After all, when I complete the little that I'll get, I can use that one to even climb more of the academic ladder. So if we are going for this medical program just as second to uh, second to sorry, after recruitment, it is not the government who come back to tell us that go to school. We also know what to do. It is just a second to. Have you not heard the government talk about entrepreneurship? The Minister of Finance has been talking about that. Is that something you have explored? Do you want to explore that? Entrepreneurship. Ah well. We have been, uh, uh, we have developed much interest into uh, policies of this government. But all that you realize that before you go into there, they say, oh, we are having the list already. So you should better go home or you suffer for nothing. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. Oh, thank you very much, sir. That's Mohamed Al-Hassan. He's PRO of the Coalition of Graduate Unemployed Registered Nurse Assistant Clinicals and Preventive. They were on a demonstration today in the Northern Regional Capital. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sandamar here with Nashika Caesar. When we return, there's more, including the plan by the National Identification Authority to roll out the Ghana card outside our borders. But how have they fared here in Ghana? Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News.
You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. You remember the collapse of some banks. You also remember the financial institutions that have gone down. The Bank of Ghana is cracking the whip again. And this time around, it's focusing on the Forex bureaus. Nashika has a story. Right, Sandra, the Bank of Ghana, together with the Ghana Police Service, today conducted a special operation on foreign exchange forex parallel market operators, otherwise known as black market operators. At identified hotspots within the central business district, that is Rollins Park, Tudu and Makola. In all, about 70 perpetrators were apprehended by the police for prosecution. The purpose of the operation was to clamp down on individuals and entities engaging in the business of buying and selling foreign exchange without a license from the Bank of Ghana in violation of Ghana's foreign exchange laws and regulations. Here is the Foreign Exchange Bureau Office head at the Bank of Ghana, Adjoa Kunedu Toto, addressing the media. The Bank of Ghana, together with Ghana Police Service, decided to undertake this long-awaited clamping of illegal foreign exchange dealers from the streets of Accra. It is something that we intend to do across the country. And as you all know, if you don't have a license to operate in Ghana, a license issued by the central bank, it is an offense to trade in any foreign currency. And for the past few years, we see them seriously engaging in this illegal act. Public education has gone out, and still we see see, um, these unlicensed institutions around. So today, we decided to start something that would be an, an ongoing thing throughout the country. We decided, and fortunately for us, we happened to get over uh, 76 illegal operators on the streets. And we are saying that it is important that the general public desist from engaging in business with these uh, unlicensed ones. We have over 480 licensed forest bureaus scattered across the country. We will encourage everyone to deal with the licensed institutions. And as you go in, we are saying that go with your Ghana card to transact business and insist on your receipt. That was the Foreign Exchange Bureau Office Head at the Bank of Ghana, Ajua Kunedu Toto. Let's speak to Toma Imihe. Toma Imihe is a journalist, uh, deals with finance, economy, commerce, business, and so on. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, Toma. Thank you, Maru. Uh, okay, f- first of all, I see that they've closed down Forex bureaus. Is it the case that the Forex bureaus that we see, where people go to uh, change their, their dollars and other currencies into CD and vice versa, are actually illegal, or it is a tabletop, the so-called black market that we see in Tudu and other places that is being clamped on? Well, Omar, it's, it's, it's a combination of both. First of all, the black market, everybody there is unlicensed. So the police has the right to close them down, okay? Then even in the case of Forex bureaus, there are certain um, reporting standards that they, are, that they are required to meet to ensure that their affairs are being done properly they're not involved in money laundering and, and the likes. So if they fall short of those reporting standards, they too are supposed to have the right, I mean, the Bank of Ghana has the right to make them to shut their doors, or at least until the reporting, um, their the, the reports are meet the required standards to ensure that they're actually doing legal business as contained in their charter. 
So I think it's a combination of both. The bank of Ghana, in, in collaboration with the security has the right to, 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 to arrest, um, the black market operators and okay. close down forest bureaus who are not playing by the rules. Now, clearly the reason there's a black market or an underground market is because there is more demand than there is supply. So they are thriving because people are still coming to them. Is it the case that government is not able to satisfy the needs of people who want to change their currencies and for which reason these people are thriving? And if that's the case, if you shut them down, can the official structures really be able to address the demand? Well, you see, um, until recently, you know, until the recent Forex crunch set in, um, the reason why people were using the black market was in terms of um, ease of accessibility, no documentation required, you know, no proof of usage, uh, proof of where you got the forex from required. So people in the informal sector in particular, who didn't have any documentary evidence about their activities, they would have to go to the black market because they, they don't have the documentation to show their sources of forex and stuff like that. So... Um, um, that has been the problem even before the forex crunch came. Now, even formal companies, even I mean, you know, even the bulk distribution companies at the time, I don't know whether they're still on, had to go to the black market to source parts of their requirements because there was just a shortage of forex in the system. Okay, so uh, now now they are closing down this this file. Of course, it will it will add to. The, the short thing, but the, the whole idea is to make people divert their money into the formal forex market as different from, you know, the informal market, which is the black market. There's um, a, there's, there's a view that these so-called black markets people are the ones who determine whether our CD should be strong or weak. You reckon that the BOG is doing this to shore up the CD perhaps, you know, Ensure that um, the city does better than the dollar. Is that could that be the ultimate goal? The, the forex market does not actually determine the rate because that would be like the, that would be like the tail wagging the dog. Um, the forex market simply takes the official market and puts a premium, which is basically, I mean, because of the informality, you know. So that is why um, let's assume that the, the foreign, the if the forex, the official forex market. The exchange rate dropped to six today. The black market rate will follow it downward. If the, if the official rate goes up dramatically, the, 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 the black market follows, which shows you that it's the former market as the price set and not the black market. Okay. So one, one problem with the black market is that it provides an avenue for currency speculators. And that is a major problem that we are facing here. If you can get, if you can, once the black market exists, the rates are higher. So if you're a supplier of forex. If you can get your money onto the black market rather than the former market, you start to make more revenue. Okay, and that place is in, in, in that in that market which are now which are now funding of the higher rates that speculators are best positioned to take advantage of in buying dollars to hold uh, as, as a trading as a currency trading position for profit in the hope that the CDs will depreciate further. And when you now sell it and get back CDs, you have made higher returns than what you have made on any other kind of investment. Like what has happened for the first, during the first eight months of this year. 
Can the government continue? Is this a sustainable decision uh, to close them down? They could see, soon re-emerge. It's sustainable, but, but how, the question is how effective it's going to be. Look at the forex, the black market. I mean, we know about the major ones, like the ones that to do and places like that. But you will find that there are unlicensed operators operating even in buildings. I know, look, in Osu, for example, Osu Are. I, 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 at least a couple of years ago, I knew of at least two places where the night watchman in this, from this commercial place, in this eating and eating and drinking pubs, also changes forex as, uh, like, operating like a single man or small group of forex, uh, illegal forex operators. So especially for like a foreigner country is going to go and eat at Frankie's or something. He can, he will just go and change dollars with these security men. Now, those small, small ones, it will be difficult to track them down. You understand? So the, Gam- the Bank of Ghana's job is going to be a very difficult one. It's going to be very difficult. But you see, anything we can achieve does help. Okay? And what is important is that, you see, before the forest guys could operate the clinics, don't forget the handling, the handling cash, lots of, lots of dollars, which they know they would lose if they are arrested. All right. So it means that now there's a risk on their business. And they will not be, they will not operate with the kind of impunity they're operating with. It will not actually solve the problem, but at least it will reduce it to some extent. Right now, any little achievement we can get will be, is useful, you know, because we're in a very dire situation. So I, I think it's good, but they need to maintain it. Let's not have a situation where the the uh, black market operators now see that the simple strategy is to outweigh is to wait out the security agencies, knowing that after a week or two things will settle down, they are back to where they were before. You understand? Okay. So it has to be a continuous process. It has to be a continuous process. Very well. Making, making it difficult for forex for black market operators. Operate, has knowing that there's a risk they could be arrested and the entire forest album then could be confiscated. Thank you. Thank you, Toma, for speaking to us. Well, my pleasure. Toma Mihe is a journalist, a financial journalist. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. The National Identification Authority, NIA, has a job to produce Ghana cards for Ghanaians and non Ghanaians who are resident in the country. Now, they are also planning to register Ghanaians living outside our shores. Dr. Abudu Abdul Ghaniu is the corporate head of corporate affairs at the NIA. He joins us on the line. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Yeah, good evening, and thank you very much for having me. Explain this idea to us. Yes, as you have rightly indicated, the law provides that we register Ghanaians both home and abroad. And as you are aware, since 2018, we have embarked on the registration of Ghanaians, having gone round all 16 regions of our country, and now successfully setting up permanent regional and district offices to facilitate the registration of other Ghanaians who have not yet registered. Now, we have to be seen to be obeying what the law provides. So what that means is that Anywhere else that Ghanaians are, we need to create the opportunity for those Ghanaians to be registered. So in terms of the law, the policy, and the high-level commitments, 
we believe we have secured all of that, and we are now at a point where I will call it planning for implementation. So that's where we are now, Sanders, as far as registering Ghanaians abroad is concerned. So what the deployment plan? Yes, um, it's going to take a different strategy from what we know about registration of Ghanaians here in Ghana. So instead of NIA recruiting our own officials, we are going to rely on the staff of Ghana's missions embassies abroad, give them the necessary training, and then provide the necessary logistics, the machinery that will be needed to conduct registration so that these officers will be open permanently for the registration of Ghana card for Ghanaians who are abroad. So that's going to be the strategy going forward. So what that means is that we are not going to recruit our own officials. These are officials already working at the various missions. We just give them the necessary training and then we'll be ready to go. So so that's how it's going to be. Um, around the world, wherever we have missions, over the next year or two, we should be able to reach out to all of these missions. But we'll be starting with a couple, uh, conduct a pilot registration for about some five countries. The next which, which, one, which, ones, which ones are these countries? Which ones are you starting with? Yes. Um, so like I indicated, still at a point of planning to implement and at the, at the research and development department, of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Regional Integration. They are yet to finish us with these five countries that we will start the piloting with, and then we'll move from there and extend registration to some 20 countries. Then we'll move from 20, then we'll move to 40. So those meetings are still taking place. But you have a date for for the commencement of the rollout? We, we, We don't have a specific date yet. Do you have a period, perhaps end of year, starting of next year, or it, it should start? It should start before the end of this year. We still have to conduct training, and as I speak to you, I have virtually completed the planning for training to take place, and hopefully in the next two weeks, we should commence the training. And we are likely to use the whole of October to go through training. Okay. Then we will start a pilot registration somewhere in November. Hopefully, once the pilot registration is successful, then we can begin to talk about extending registration to the rest of the mm. 20 and then eventually 40 countries going forward. I think for many people listening to us, the issue would be you haven't fixed your home issues, you want to go fix abroad matters. Um how many people in Ghana who have applied for the Ghana card have not been given their Ghana card yet? Well, um, as you allude to the law, Sander, the law says we should register Ghanaians wherever they are. So for those who are compatible... No, I'm not, I'm not abroad, faulting you on, on the law side. I'm just looking at the practical side. Yeah, so yeah, how but many but Ghanaians... That's the, point, mm-hmm. that's the point I'm making. For Ghanaians abroad, they would surely argue that it's long overdue. I mean, whatever purpose that those of us home need the Ghana card for, it is the same purpose that they will probably need the Ghana card to also go through, whether it's same registration, having a bank account home, back home in Ghana, so on and so forth. 
So I, I think that is long overdue. We have currently registered Ghanaians home over 17 million. We have issued more than 16 we have printed more than 16 million cards and issued more than 15 million cards. And if you so, so you issued to, cards to about half the population. We, we not if you if you put if you say that it will not be accurate in the sense that for the current phase of registration we are dealing with Ghanaians who are 15 years and above. So if you say 50 percent of the population, that will not be exactly correct. Instead, you need to define the contest. The contest is Ghanaians who are 15 years and above. And when you take that out of the total population, we're talking about some 87% because Ghanaians 15 years and above are around 19.9 million. So you have, you're left so, with around 5 million more to... No, to... no. So, so we, we know it's about 2 million. Hold on. You so said you said you've issued cars about 15 million, right? And you've also we've just said that the population is 19.9. We've issued cards close to 16 million. One six. But, yes. Out so of... We have registered. Out of one so nine. Have, no. Uh, Sandra, this, 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 you see, this is how you need to analyze the statistics. First of all, look at the total number of Ghanaians who have been registered. No, I just want to know, card in hand. There are yeah, so about, uh, about 1.6 million Ghanaians holding Ghana cards today. Exactly. Out of these, uh, this is out of a total of 19.9 that had applied. No. Okay. This is out of 19.9 million Ghanaians who are 15 years and above. Yes, um, we are still using that same population. So I'm saying that these are the ones who have applied. No, no, no. You see, you, that's the thing. They have, not all of them have applied. They, are, they have not applied yet. Wait. So, okay. Those who have applied and have been registered, have been captured now onto the National Identification Register are more than 17 million. Is that okay? So it means that if you take that difference between 17 million and 19.9 million, you still have some Ghanaians who have not yet registered. Okay. These that, are people who have not yet registered. It's not that they have applied. It's clear now. So these are the people who have not registered, registered at all. At all. Exactly. Okay. So you still have some 2 million Ghanaians who have not yet registered at all. Okay. Do you not think you should finish registering those ones before you go abroad? Not at all. I mean, we can do everything alongside. At the end of the day, it's about capacity in terms of the officials and also in terms of the equipment that you will need to conduct registration and also the consumables, okay. the blank cards and all that. And I've just explained to you that we are going to rely on, on the, on the mission staff. Exactly. Very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Doc. Thank you very much. Rob. That's Dr. Abdul Abdul Ghaniu. He is the head of corporate affairs at the National Identification Authority. Let's go to the Upper West Regional Capital, Nawa. The man who represents them in Parliament is the Honorable Abdul Rashid Perpo. Um, he joins us on the line. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Alexander. The IGP was in your town yesterday. I'm not sure if he's still there, but we are hearing that one more body has been retrieved today. What, what is the security situation in your town? Well, uh, the IGP is still here. Um, it, it's, it's a little more than terrible situation. It's a situation where because of the death occurring and um, the fact that we know they are being caused by individuals in society are still around and are still doing what they are doing 
Um, it's a very bad, terrible, terrible situation in war. Okay, now we are told that about 10 people have died. Okay, the police have said, not the police, the original, the municipal chief executive, when I spoke to him yesterday, said there was some seven people. Is it the case that the security system there is not able to protect the, the, the people? I suppose that the security system is weak. There's no direct um, relation between exactly what they are doing and what the security is doing. And so the two are in divergence. While the security is stopping people on the road and, 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 and searching cars and uh, sometimes blowing sarin and, and on roads, these people are quietly mapping out a plan. And by the time anybody realizes, they have gone to an outskirt of um, the town and, and, and do their thing. So it's, it's something that is yet to be apprehended, you know, in a manner that we can say there is an implication, there's, there's, there's a security application in reality. Because I think that this is beyond ordinary appearance of policemen on the street. There must be some intelligence deep enough to overcome what these people are doing. They are unable to match that intelligence with what is happening. Does the IGP's presence suggest to you that there may be a solution after, finally? We are very happy that the IGP has come here. Um, it gives us the confidence that if there's going to be a new map in the application of the security system in WA and that they will be dead determined to make sure these miscreants, these uh, um, devilish perpetrators of evil are grabbed. My greatest expectation is that this, this, uh, this IGP should be able to get them exposed and let the people know that those elements do no longer exist because the repeated killing of um, people in, in, in war, in, you know, they look for people who are terribly vulnerable, sleeping in the night by watchmen. No man, the watchmen are old people who are applied, you know, who are used to guard schools and other places. Deep in the night when they are asleep, they go and throw a stone at them or use a cutlass to cut, cut, cut their, their, their bodies and remove parts of their bodies and, and leave them there. Or they will take them and bury them at shallow graves. But so these are ritual killings then? We have a very strong suspicion. Today's killing showed the today's killing and the last before today showed that it is very ritualistic because in today's killing the body of the person is cut open, his heart is taken away, his kidneys are removed, and his testes and 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 um, testicles are also removed. I don't know what they do, what to do with them, whether they eat them or they use them for something. It's so bad. Mm. I mean, very, hor- very, very horrible indeed. Very horrible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for speaking. To us. We do pray that uh, they, are, they, are, they are arrested. Thank you for speaking to us, Honorable. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Honorable Dr. Abdul Rashid Perpo, he's MP for West Central. And talking about uh, ritual killings, we take you to Sikafu Mantem in the Mankesim suburb of the central region. We are told a body had had to be exhumed today. Uh, Calvis, that is our correspondent. Calvis, what, what happened? 
Well, uh, Sandra, you know, residents of Mankasim are in a state of shock. One that uh, a young lady has been murdered and buried in the kitchen of a residential apartment uh, belonging to one individual who, who is alleged to be a traditional authority in the area. Uh, this morning, the police led one man of God uh, to the, the, the area where the incident happened. According to eyewitnesses around, the man of God happens to be a friend to the owner of the residential property. So residents around, after uh, three or four days, suspected that uh, these two are up to something. They see them sprinkling uh, this, uh, how do you call it, perfume that will take away the scent from where the, the body has been buried. This is apparently to, to sway people not to think that there is something there, you know, because apparently they killed the lady around Sunday, and then the stench that was emanating from the, 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 the place where she was buried in the kitchen of the residential apartment was, tro- was troubling. Uh, we don't know how the police got wind of the incident. Uh, the police are yet to speak to us, but according to residents I spoke to, they tell me that uh, the incident, is, is, they are shocked that such an, such an incident is happening in this area. I also picked information to the fact that the lady uh, had gone for uh, an interview in Cape Coast, a nursing training interview in Cape Coast. So upon her return, we don't know the linkage between the lady and these individuals and how come they managed to kill her in that area. Because uh, there was a brother of the lady who uh, uh, someone told me in Cape Coast that, uh, I mean, he put it on his social media handle that the sister is missing and that she's been missing for three days. She went for a nursing training interview in Cape Coast, but they have not seen her up until date. I also spoke to the assemblyman of the area and he expressed shock at the incident. Uh, he says this is the first time such an incident is happening. And that, uh, I mean, he, he, he's really going to go down to the ECU to, to, to make sure that, I mean, these persons who are responsible, that is the residential property owner who is currently unknown, his, 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 his location is unknown, according to the police. They are hoping that he will be apprehended to come and answer charges, Sander. Interesting. Uh, thank you for following that story. And please keep an eye on it and share with us details as and when you get them. Thank you. That's Kavis is our correspondent. Let's listen now to Alex Kojo Apia. He's an assembly member for Edumazi in Mankesim. Actually, I'm, 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 I'm surprised about this incident. I'm surprised, and I don't know even what to say. You, you, you may have been contacted by a number of residents around. How do they feel? What are they saying? Are they scared? I had a call, but I went to work and I had a call from a colleague around where the issue happened. That there is a murder case around, so I rushed down to the scene and I saw a lot around. How would you describe the security situation uh, within this particular enclave and that of Mankesim? Oh, my electoral area in Mankesim as a whole. Here yeah, is peaceful. Mankesim, the security is very, very calm. There is no any security threat in Mankesim. So how surprising um, does it appear to you uh, having this incident occurring here? Oh, it's very, very... My brother, uh, we, are, we are all totally down upon hearing this issue. We are all not comfortable at all. But we don't know the exact thing so we cannot speak to the facts. But I want to talk about the security in town. Mankesim is very peaceful. We should be each one's keeper. The best person that can protect you is you yourself, not even the institutions. The institutions have roles to play. 
And I also advise that any time we hear of anything going on within the community, at least we should try to alert the security personnel in town so that they can quickly come to our aid. For this very message, we have been preaching to all gathering. Anytime we find ourselves in anywhere, we tell people that we should be security conscious. That's Alex Kujo Apia, his assembly member for Edumazi in the central region, in, in Mankesin Township in the central region. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And on Prime Line, we hear from the NDC has uh, issues with the EC's plans to use uh, the Ghana card as a source document for registering for a voter card in election 2024. But before then, Ellen Dapai is here to bring us the latest in the world of business. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. It's time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ellen Dapa. To the details now, the Bank of Ghana has issued a strong caution to the general public to desist from engaging the services of foreign exchange business operating without a license. This follows a special operation conducted by the Central Bank together with the Ghana Police Service today to clamp down on foreign exchange parallel market operators, otherwise known as black market operators, at identified hotspots within the business district of Accra, specifically Rawlings Park, Makola and Chudu. In all, about over 70 perpetrators were apprehended by the police for prosecution. Addressing the media after the exercise, Foreign Exchange Bureau Office Head at the Bank of Ghana, Adjoa Kune Dutoto, noted that members of the public who patronize the activities of these black market operators are equally guilty before the law. If you don't have a license to operate in Ghana, a license issued by the central bank, it is an offense to trade in any foreign currency. And for the past few years, we see them seriously engaging in this illegal act. Public education has gone out, and still we see see, um, these unlicensed institutions around. So today, we decided to start something that will be an, an ongoing thing throughout the country. We decided, and fortunately for us, we happened to get over uh, 76 illegal operators on the streets. And we are saying that it is important that the general public desist from engaging in business with these uh, unlicensed ones. We have over 480 licensed forest bureaus scattered across the country. We will encourage everyone to deal with the licensed institutions. And as you go in, we are saying that go with your Ghana card to transact business and insist on your receipt. That was the Foreign Exchange Bureau Office Head at the Bank of Ghana, Adjoa Kunedu Toto. Now an economist and senior lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School, Dr. Patrick Assuming, says it is unlikely the auctioning of four 
$420 million to bulk oil distribution companies, that's BDCs, will change the fortunes of the falling city. The Bank of Ghana will sell a total of $420 million to BDCs via banks in the final quarter of this year in its foreign exchange auctions. The move, according to the central bank, will boost dollar supply in circulation and help slow down the depreciation of the city. Now, this will boost supply of forex to the BDCs, which in turn will enhance supply of petroleum products into the markets. But speaking to the business news, Dr. Suming disagreed with this move. I don't think this would bring a sustainable solution to the currency depreciation. The Bank of Ghana supplying these dollars doesn't change the quantity of imports that we make. It would definitely help if there was a potential that the absence of dollars would have meant maybe higher work costs or because of additional depreciation that the BDCs will face, or for store a potential shortage, if because of the lack of dollars, they couldn't import the fuel you need. As for whether this is going to solve or to certainly make the city stable, I'm not so sure. We need additional dollar inflow. In the short term, whether our exports are earning us more, or what, for whatever reason, the current problem with uh, capital flow reversal is some, uh, somewhat reduced or in the long term you know we just have more and diversified sources of foreign exchange earnings. Dr. Patrick Isuming is an economist. Moving on, Ghana's economy has expanded by 4.8% year-on-year in the second quarter of 2022. Data from the Ghana Statistical Service shows that this growth was driven by growth in the fishing, manufacturing and education services subsectors, with the services sector recording the highest growth of 5.2%. The figure, which was announced by the government statistician, shows that a growth rate of the economy exceeds the revised 2022 gross domestic product, that's GDP growth rate of 3.7%. Professor Samuel Kobina in Neem explained that non-oil GDP for quarter two of this year grew by 6.2%. The growth rate of 4.8% indicates a 0.6 percentage point higher growth rate relative to what was recorded for the same period in the second quarter of 2021. From a non-oil perspective, in absolute terms, GDP stood at 38,976.1 million, indicating that from a non-oil perspective, GDP growth rate was 6.2% relative to the 6.6% that was recorded for the same period in the second quarter of 2021. From a sectoral perspective, we see the services sector maintaining its dominance with a contribution of 45.8%, followed by the industry sector 32.1%, and the agricultural sector contributing 22.1%. This culminates in GDP basic prices, 123,802.8 million Ghana cities. Adding on indirect taxes culminates to a GDP current prices of 132,263.5 million GDP provisional current prices. Meanwhile, the producer price inflation for August has risen by 46%. This was mainly influenced by the manufacturing sector. 
For the month of August 2022, producer price inflation stood at 46.0%. This indicates a rate of 4.8 percentage points higher than what was recorded for the month of July 2022, which stood at 41.2%. This literally means that from the producer's perspective, prices of goods and services on the average went up by 46.0% between the months of August 2021 and August 2022. From a monthly perspective, between the month of July 2022 and August 2022, producer price inflation stood at 4.0%, indicating that on the average, prices and goods and services from the producer's perspective went up by 4.0% between the month of July 2022 and August 2022. Measuring producer price inflation from a subsector perspective, on a year-on-year basis, manufacturing stood at 61.7%, followed by mining and acquiring 35.7%, and utilities 1.7%. From a monthly perspective, producer price inflation Mining and acquiring led by 9.1%, followed by manufacturing 3.7%, and utilities 0.4%. Professor Samuel Kobena Inim is the government statistician. Now, government has disclosed that it will soon introduce a risk-based supervisory system and enterprise resource solution aimed at strengthening the regulations of the pension scheme and making it more accessible to Ghanaians. Deputy Minister of Employment and Labor Relations, Dr. Bright Rikubrobe, said government will resort the use of technology to improve the pensions fund and ensure security. Speaking at the inaugural ceremony of the Public Services Pensions Association, the minister also stressed on government's commitment to ensure a more robust pension scheme. The industry is so complex and therefore requires an in-depth appreciation of the issues and the technical know-how to resolve the challenges that arise. Government in the coming months will roll out the risk-based supervisory system in an enterprise resource planning solution to strengthen the regulation of pensions by the MPRA. This new system would seek to automate regulatory processes, ensure real-time monitoring, and thereby guarantee the security of pension funds and investments. Government will continue to leverage on technology to ensure that pension service becomes more accessible to the ordinary Ghanaians. Dr. Bright Rikubube is Deputy Minister of Employment and Labor Relations. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Ellen Dapa. Up next is Points Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Charlie, some things can be very painful, eh? like hitting your toe against the corner of a table, Hi, or a failed cash transaction because of insufficient funds. Hey. But that's where Vodafone Cash Overdraft will help you shop life regardless. Yeah. Vodafone Cash Overdraft is the latest innovation that adds to your Vodafone Cash wallet when your balance is not enough to pay for your Vodafone transactions. Just dial star one one zero hash, select option five to opt in. Now, let's say you won't buy 50 cities monthly data where you get only 30 cities for your Vodafone Cash Wallet. You will get a notification saying you can access additional funds to complete your transaction. You accept the offer. Done. Overdraft. Oh, say yeah. Yeah. The new Vodafone Cash Overdraft service allows you to access additional funds to complete your Vodafone Cash transaction. Be it paying for your broadband subscription, buying airtime, or mobile data, or even sending money. Terms and conditions apply. Vodafone 
Vodafone. A bank that supports you. A bank that cares for you. Hand in hand, we stand with you. So lift your head up, big dreams are waiting. We'll walk with you wherever you go. News. Be there as it happens. This is Poem Lang for Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandawa. Tonight on Poem Lang, the National Democratic Congress, NDC, is kicking against attempts by the Electoral Commission to push for the Ghana card to be the sole means for demonstrating one's eligibility for the registration and acquisition of a voter's ID card. The party held a press conference at its national office in Adabraka today and it was addressed by National Chairman Samuel Ofusuampofo. Ladies and gentlemen, we invited you here today to draw the attention of Ghanaians to how the Electoral Commission democracy through the proposed public election registration of voters instrument. Upon a careful study of the draft regulation, we have discovered that Regulation 1.3 states, and I quote, a person who applies for registration as a voter shall provide as evidence of identification the national identity card issued by the National Identification Authority, end of quote. There are two implications of the above regulation. The first is that this regulation is, a clear, is clear on the face of it that the Ghana card shall be the only proof of identification for purposes of voter registration. In other words, what this regulation seeks to do is to radically change the current regime for providing a person's identity for registration purpose. Under the current regulation, i.e. regulation CI-126, a person who qualifies to register as a voter may prove his or her identity by either presenting a valid Ghanaian passport, a national identity card, not national identity card issued by the National Identification Authority as proposed in DCI, or a registration identification form signed by two registered voters within the community. What the EC proposes to do with this new CI is to eliminate the two other sources of proof of identity, i.e. the Ghana passport and the guarantee system, leaving the Ghana card as the only means of identity. The second implication is that the regulation flies in the face of Article 42 of the Constitution, which states as follows, every citizen of Ghana 18 years 
or above and of sign man has the right to vote and is entitled to be registered as a voter for the purpose of public elections and referenda. End of quote. This clearly makes the proposed provisions unconstitutional. What it means is that if the CI is passed in its current form, it will not only be unconstitutional, it will radically disenfranchise all those prospective voters who for no fault of this are unable to obtain the national ID card issued by the National Education Authority. They would have been denied the right provided for them under Article 42 of the 1992 Constitution. The 1992 Constitution provide, provides three, only three conditions for registration as a voter, and that is one, the person has to be a citizen of Ghana. Two, the person must be of sound mind. And three, the person must be 18 years old and above. Therefore, no subsidiary legislation can be used to undermine this provision. That is the reason why, since the inception of the Fourth Republic, all regulations governing registration of voters have always provided the guarantee system in order to take action, account of all qualified persons who, for one reason or the other, do not possess the requirements. The removal of this provision from the CI and make the Ghana card the sole requirement for registration is to deny all such persons the right to register and vote. And this is a complete breach of and violation of Article 42 of the 1992 Constitution, and therefore unconstitutional. Again, Article 45E of the Constitution also enjoins the Electoral Commission to undertake programs for the expansion of the registration of voters. Given the above provision, we have the view that the, propose, the proposal in the CI which based the Ghana card the sole requirement for the registration is unconstitutional to the extent that it serves as a fetter on citizens' right to register and exercise their franchise in elections. This singular decision by the Jimensa and Bosmanasari-led DC is also at variance with the constitutional mandate to undertake programs to expand the registration of voters. At present, statistics available suggest that at least about 2 million Ghanaians are yet to be issued the Ghana card. The registration process for the Ghana card has been characterized by several difficulties. The National Identification Authority has missed several deadlines to complete the registration of citizens. Professor Kenatifa, Executive Director of the National Identification Authority stated at a press conference last Friday, 16 September 2022, and I quote, We have the mandate to register all Ghanaians in Ghana and all Ghanaians abroad. There is no way NIA can register all Ghanaians in Ghana. If you look at our performance record, as stern as we believe our performance is, the reality is that 
there are approximately 2 million people aged 15 years and above who have not registered for the Ghana card. There is no way the National Identification Authority can register these, those people. Those people. It is physically, technically, and fiscally impossible. End of quote. We therefore found it strange that the Electoral Commission will call a press conference and urge the National Identification Authority to expedite action on registration. It obviously doesn't lie in the mouth of the EC to do so. In the circumstances, therefore, making the Ghana card the sole requirement for voter registration will serve to deny millions of Ghanaians their right to register and vote. Ladies and gentlemen, Regulation 2 of the proposed CI also provides that, one, the Commission shall designate the district office or any place it considers appropriate as a registration centre. Two, in designating a place as a registration centre, the Commission shall take into consideration the accessibility of the place to prospective applicants for registration. In our estimation, the proposed regulations on registration centres will create a number of avoidable, avoidable problems for the electorate. First, it will, if implemented, make voter registration extremely difficult for citizens who are resident in areas where the district office, located usually in the district capital, are far from the surrounding villages where potential applicants live. In such situations, the cost of travel alone can be a disincentive to registration. In contrast, if the prevailing practice of issuing the pooling, using the pooling stations or in a worst case scenario, the electoral areas which are usually located within walking distances of residents of voters is employed, this problem will not arise at all. Secondly, registrations conducted at the district office, offices will entail assigning polling stations to registrants at the point of registration. But the registrant will not know the fiscal location of their polling stations at the point of registration. Given the high level of illiteracy in the country, this will create utter confusion on election day as voters may find it difficult locating their voting centers for the purposes of voting. Thirdly, the more egregious of the problems potentially associated with this measure is the possibility of gerrymandering engineered by registration officials. officials. Gerrymandering is the act of manipulating electoral boundaries in a bid to favor one party. This takes various forms, the most common and obvious one being the redrawing of constituency boundaries so as to carve out a voter population predisposed to voting for one party. 
the more sophisticated form of gerrymandering and the one that may likely occur with the proposed measure is the capacity of registration officials to freely assign police stations to registrants based upon projected voting preferences. The more dangerous form that this could take is where the registration official is able to assign potential voters across constituency lines in neighboring constituencies. It is also strongly felt that if the EC is indeed sincere in its intention to conduct a continuous registration exercise, it should rather come with an amendment to the existing CI for that purpose, instead of introducing a completely new CI. This will remove any lingering doubt that the EC intends to jettison the existing voters register in the near future. Claims by the EC that the CI is for only continuous registration is not only misleading but mischievous. Regulation 33 in the draft CI seeks to revoke CI 91 and CI 126. Therefore, by operation of law, once the CI is passed, it will be the only law on voter registration in Ghana. The EC knows that it does not have separate laws for continuous registration, limited registration, or mass registration. Distinguished ladies and gentlemen, since our return to democratic governance in 1992, underpinned by a national constitution, we have all striven to nurture a vibrant democracy built and build a nation governed by the rule of law. In this period, eight elections have been held with varying degree of credibility. Despite the imperfections associated with the various processes leading up to these elections, efforts have been made as we have gone along to improve upon the system through a participatory approach where all relevant stakeholders make one contribution or the other. Since the coming into office of the Akufuadu Baumia government, however, things have taken a dark turn and the time-tested use of consensus building and dialogue as tools for the management of Ghana electoral process has been supplanted by overt partisanship and impunity by the current leadership of the Electoral Commission. Since the po politically motivated and unconstitutional removal of the previous leadership of the Electoral Commission by President Akufuado and the convenient installation of MPP surrogates, Jean Mensah and Bosman Asari at the helm of the commission, consensus and dialogue have been, have been in very short supply. Disrespect and hostility by Jean Mensah and her charges at the EC towards the NDC and other parties deemed to be opposed to the current government have become the order of the day. Jean Mensah and Bosman Asari have not hidden their intent and penchant for unreasonable and unjustifiable policies and measures aimed at furthering the interests of the MPP and the appointing authority, often to the disadvantage of the last sections of Ghanaians, especially those 
they believe are likely to vote against the MPP in elections. The alarm bells were set ringing when out of the blue and without any sound justification, the Electoral Commission decided to compile a needless new voters register only because President Kufuado and the MPP wanted it, having advertised their intentions long before they took power. That was the voice of the national chairman of the NDC, Samuel Ofosu Ampofo, ending tonight's edition of Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou, production by Beverly London and Six Tools Dong Ulu. The technical support from Daniel Squashi. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening and good night. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.